Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Brainstorming to Book Sales podcast, where we talk with authors about their journey from brainstorming to book sales. Today, we have Gamble Dick on with us, and he has recently released a book titled A Glorious Nightmare in 64 Shades of Green. And Gamble, thank you for coming on with us today, and thank you for your service. Gamble is a Vietnam veteran. So be it. So be it. Yes, you are. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about you. So when did you serve in Vietnam? What what kind of led you there? What happened? Um, <laughs> my mother, bless her heart, uh, always gave me books. And so for my, I think it was probably my 18th birthday, she gave me the Green Berets. And I read the Green Berets, and at the time I was working, I, uh, I'd gone to the University of Arizona for three semesters, and quite frankly, it bored the you-know-what out of me. It just, I wanted some excitement. So I uh, dropped out of school, and I went to work in the emergency room at the hospital, and that was okay. But I remembered the book, and I thought, you know what, I need to be a special forces medic. So I went and enlisted, and they wouldn't promise me anything other than they'd let me jump out of airplanes. <laughs> and, and which was a lot of fun, but uh, I went into OCS and went into Special Forces as an officer. Uh, I, I served two tours in Vietnam. The first one was 19, September of 67 to September of 68, and that was in uh, the Studies and Observation Group, which was a sort of a black ops deal. And then I came home for 11 months, got married, and missed my first anniversary, and went back to Vietnam. I was a company commander of Charlie Company, 2nd of the 18th in the 1st Infantry Division. And I stayed in the Army for a few more years, but quite frankly, if you're an infantryman, the Army, the peacetime Army isn't a lot of fun. <laughs> you, know, you go out and you pick up pine needles, and you do as much training as you possibly can, but... Uh, you know, it wasn't anything like the war was, so I decided I still needed more excitement because I came home from Vietnam. I was kind of a, like a lot of guys, I got addicted to drugs, and my drug was adrenaline, and uh, I just wanted more action. So I left the Army, finished college, and uh, became a state trooper in Arizona. Hmm. I've seen a trend in that where a lot of veterans transition into law enforcement. I think that's absolutely true. I think it's almost tailor-made. I mean, the guys that don't wear well with their military service probably feel that way. I mean, there's some that, you know, want to get on and make a lot of money, but most of us just want to do stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So your book, A Glorious Nightmare, how did that get started? I was left unattended by the little blind date girl when she went to see her mother. And uh, I was bouncing around the internet and I bumped into a story called Hatchet Force. And I read the story and it was written by a Marine H-34 pilot. And I realized, hey, I was on that mission. And, uh, And I finished the story and thought, you know something? I ought to write something. And I got a hold of uh, Greg Gregoire, who was uh, the Marine pilot. And uh, we met and he said, yeah, it was on a website with a bunch of mostly CIA 
pilots writing little short stories about and since off the internet but uh i got a real kick out of it so i started writing about one of my actions and uh and i just parked that and then i thought you know i really should put something down on paper about vietnam so the grandkids will know a little about it and my intention was to write a little pamphlet about the weather and the people and how they dressed and how their homes were and, you know and that kind of thing and i would take it over to kinko's and bind it up and put it up in the attic so when i died they find it and know a little bit about it but the more i wrote the more i remembered the more i remembered the more i wrote <laughs> and pretty soon i'm about 80 pages and i'm thinking maybe i'll just go ahead and write a book and so it sort of transitioned over to the book and um you know I, I i think i'm fairly succinct and a lot of people who read it early on said it sounds more like a police report and it probably did but i uh, i, I tried to make it enjoyable i i've read it i've had the pleasure of reading it and i do not agree with that i absolutely enjoyed it every bit of it uh, you made me laugh you made me cry you got me angry police reports don't tend to do that unless you're directly involved in the report so <laughs> yeah <laughs> and least of all they don't make you laugh so no i i don't agree with that at all i think it was very well written and i'm so thankful that you wrote it um as you know i i had a nonprofit brain uh books by vets and it's very, very difficult for people to make the decision to write about their time in service when they have been in combat. And the fact that you were able to do that without the fanfare, without any promises of any gratitude after you were finished, speaks volumes to your character. And I'm, I'm just thrilled that you saw it through and you got that done. And I just know that your grandkids are going to be so thankful for that when they reach that age that they're really able to appreciate what you have put on paper for them. Well, I appreciate your comments. I, uh, yeah, I, I didn't have PTSD because I just refused to have it. <laughs> I got to writing the book and it, you know, uh, when any of us write about those kind of things, it's therapeutic in nature. I mean, it just happens to help you think about it and, and dispose of it all your anger and stuff seems to go out the tip of the pen and then you've got to be careful about what you write but uh, i did find out that i was extraordinarily and may still be angry about the way the vets were treated when they came home and that's bothered me no end and that exemplary i mean it really amplified it for me and i think that that was what was bothering me i think i got it out of my system i'll never feel good about it uh -huh. and but writing helped. I think writing is a great therapy. We talk about purging the pain when we write about things that were difficult to experience. And I mean, I think you nailed it. Like it, it just goes right out the tip of the pen or from the fingers to the keys or however you may be doing it. And it's, just, it is, it, there's some, there's a therapy to just getting it out, no longer harboring that pain. I agree completely. I was sort of surprised by that and sort of surprised that I was a lot madder than I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, putting it down 
takes it away. And I, uh, I'll be forever grateful for you pointing me in that direction. Well, you know, sometimes you can lead a horse to water, but we know what happens if you try to make it drink and just giving people that idea and letting them know that it's safe. And when it comes, to, especially to veterans, just needing to write, just to purge that, whatever, that pain and discontent that they may be holding on to, it doesn't have to be published. But I have a feeling most would be like you. And by the time they were done, they would think, huh, it's not so bad. I may just well, yeah, you, you got me. I, I mean, I think, and, and <laughs> I especially am enthusiastic about guys doing that because I already see the history of Vietnam being rewritten. Uh -huh. and, you know, I don't know that most people, you know, I, I appreciate when they say thank you for your service and okay, so fine. But I don't think they really have any grip on what happened and why it happened. And I think that a lot of theoretical people are just sort of rewriting it to correspond to their feelings about it. And, you know, a few of us need to be real. And I think I was, and hopefully. You were, and that was one thing I really appreciated about the way you told your story is that you did keep it very real. Um, you even, you didn't just talk about the combat. You, you spoke about so much more. I mean, even the beauty of the jungle you spoke about in your book. And that's, you took me places in Vietnam in your book that I never would have considered. Because when you think about the war, it's very different in your mind if you've not been there. And so to read the way that you portrayed things took me on a completely different journey. And I think that's fantastic. Well, it's a beautiful, beautiful country. Kind of had acne while I was there, but <laughs> <laughs> bomb craters and things like that. But it's a gorgeous country. And the people, you know, are, are, are nice, peaceful people and mostly are happy. And, you know, I was a ugly American at the time, but my impression I left with, all they wanted to do was be left alone. And the world would be a better place in many respects if we just didn't have government, you know. Right. When the government start knocking heads and everybody gets bruised, you know. <laughs> Except the government. Hmm. Well, oddly enough, you know, <laughs> there's some truth to that. So you talk a lot about um, coming home and the pain of that because people – I mean, they just all had such severe opinions and really they took their frustration and their anger out on the wrong people. No, I agree with that, yeah. That's, that was rough. I mean, you watch people now and they get standing ovations on the airplane when they're flying in uniform. They, that's the way it should be. And that's not how it was for you. No. <laughs> so... Where was I? Might have been Seattle, but uh, I got spit at. I didn't get spit on because oh. I'm paying attention to what's going on. <laughs> we pay a lot of money for those uniforms, and I didn't want to get screwed up before I got home. No kidding. Well, and that's a fighting action right there. There's not much that could make me want to turn to blows, but getting well, spit on is, is one of them. It's a disgusting habit. We had that problem in the police, too, but you know, I guess the uniform just brings the worst out of people sometimes. <laughs> so in writing your book that you did not intend to write, that kind of became this accidental narrative, 
what was your like favorite part of the whole process? Um, I, I tried to talk a lot about the people I was with because they were and are the most fantastic people I've ever associated with. But the favorite part was talking about them. I mean, God, the memories, you know, come back and you think, I really want somebody to know this guy was there. And they're not writing their own books. They're way too tough for that. But uh, <laughs> I, I enjoyed getting their names in print so that someday somebody will read it and realize, you know, who they were. That's awesome. And I'm sure either them or their family will in some way or another find a copy in their hands. I hope. That's awesome. And a lot of times people don't think about the comrades. You know, you come home and it's so easy to just stay focused on your own experiences. Well, that's true. And I tried to avoid the pronoun I as much as I could and was moderately successful. But uh, yeah. It, it was a team effort. Everybody's over there. You're in it together. Um, there are good people and there's bad people. And I talked a little bit about the bad people. <laughs> unfortunately, they were my fellow officers in some cases. But that's the nature of life. You know, some people are in it for themselves and so be it. Other people are dynamic leaders that bring people along and do wonderful things for their product and for their employees. And those are my kind of guys. Well, and from the sounds of it, you were surrounded by a lot of those kind of guys. Oh yeah. By and large, you know, these are rugged, independent, terribly experienced men who, although trained as a team, every one of them was able to exist as a single entity and survive. And uh, when you put all that together, we, you know, we all looked out for each other and um, it was, it, you know, it was in some respects a terrible experience. War is a terrible experience. But for me personally, the interactions I had with people and the things that happened and how we protected each other and, you know, tried to um, keep each other from getting hurt. I, uh, you know, it was just, a very rewarding experience for me it made me who I became and uh, I'd like to think that I became a pretty good leader and uh, that was a heck of a lot management's management and I think people can be trained to manage but leaders are either are or they aren't uh -huh. they promoted to leadership positions but that doesn't make them leaders and I happen to be with a whole bunch of leaders and it was awfully rewarding that's awesome. So we know what the best part was. What was the hardest part about putting the whole story together? Um, there were some tough memories that I left out. Um, that, I'd already sent the book to you and I remembered that uh, we used to sleep in our own body bags so that it would be easier to extricated us from wherever we were if we got killed and so we had no sleeping bags but we took body bags and we had big cans of albumin taped to the back of our our neck on our harness for blood expanders when people got shot i mean we were so we had to have everything we needed because we were so far out 
right. supply was, the resupply was generally impossible, if not very difficult. And so, you know, we had to be prepared for everything. And, and as I said, everybody took what they needed and we, we made a few mistakes. Uh, on one particular mission when they said you'll be back in 10 hours and we came back three days later. <laughs> I wish we'd taken some Claymore mines and more hand grenades, but uh, <laughs> you know, I learned from that and I never went out without a Claymore and a hand grenade anymore. So it, uh, it was an experience. Yeah. So trying to get in as much as you can and deciding what to put in the book, what to leave out of the book that's got to be a little bit of a struggle too, because you want the story to be compelling, but there's some things you may not be ready to share. There's some things you may feel don't need to be shared. And then things that you're like, oh, I wish I could have found a way to work that in. Yeah, I've had a few of those, but uh, you know, it is difficult. And uh, again, it, it was our culture. Mm -hmm. We We didn't get if if you got wounded you got a purple heart if you got killed you got a medal of some kind but for the day-to-day -day operations of these guys if you want to look for brave people i mean they were with me but um i wrote a few medals for things that were really extraordinary and uh the rest of us we went through it with uh, you know no recognition which was okay uh, i do wish that i'd had some medals to hang on my uniform to impress my family but uh <laughs> not what we were all about at all and i admired that those guys there were no glory hounds in the in the ranks of the men that i took out and they were just there to do a job and they did and they did it very well well for all those parts that you wish now you would have added in or things that are coming to you now that you've written maybe we can look for a sequel someday and maybe the title could be no glory hounds that's probably not a bad idea. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Nothing like I, pushing an author to hurry up and, and get going. Well, you know, I, I wound up enjoying <laughs> the whole experience so much that obviously I'm not intelligent enough to talk myself out of it. I'm thinking about a, another book because when it was all said and done, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. That's so, I just, I love that so much. I love that you went from, I need to put a few pages down for my grandkids to published author to, wow, that was fun. I want to do it again. Like that, well, that's man. such a growth. Well, I'll come to my senses pretty soon, but right now that's the way I feel. Yeah. Well, don't come to your senses. We want more. <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge labor. I mean, it's hard. I know anybody that's ever written a book is, it's hard. People that read books think, isn't this just wonderful? But boy, I'm sure there were nights that the author didn't think it was so wonderful. <laughs> this is true. This is also true. So where can we find your book, Gamble? It just released within days ago, right? It's, yeah, it's on Amazon. It's uh, easily affordable for anybody. And uh, it's not a terribly big book. It's just a little paperback book that you can stick in your pocket, I guess. And I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> People are, you know, emailing me and they've received theirs. But uh, the ones I've ordered, I guess, are coming out of a different house and they're not here yet. So I'm anxious to see it. So are they enjoying it? Uh, everybody seems to be getting them today or maybe in the next couple of days. I, don't, I haven't heard from anybody that's read it yet. 
So if you're listening to the podcast and you have received Gamble's book, please make sure you go on to Amazon and leave a review for him. It helps so much in boosting the title toward the top of Amazon when somebody types in looking for books on Vietnam, looking for books on special forces, anything like that. Reviews will help to boost his book so that it can be more easily found. Um, and you deserve it. You deserve those reviews. So I have one more question for you. Who designed your book cover? Well, with, uh, with professional help, meaning you. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not talking about me. I'm not talking well, about we, me. We had coffee and I said, what do I do now? And you said, well, you've got to have a cover. <laughs> obviously, it has to be green. And I'm thinking, well, duh, of course. It, I never thought of that. You know, and so I, I because I, I made the subtitle in 64 Shades of Green, which is ironic because I'm colorblind. And I can't see green very well. But uh, and so you said that and I said, well, maybe I can do something. So I just went back and, and took out a piece of watercolor paper and a brush and a whole bunch of green paint and uh, <laughs> painted a little jungle thing. It took me about an hour and that became the cover of the book because I kind of liked it. I think it looks sharp. I just, I love it. And I love that you not only wrote the book, you created your book cover as well. I think that that's just awesome. I love well, every bit I of that. I to sit down and do an awesome drawing of guys creeping through the jungle. And so ah, I ain't got time for that. So <laughs> I just painted a tree and left it at that. Yeah. Well, I think it works very well with your title. And 64 Shades of Green, we've spoken about that before. There's some meaning behind your subtitle there, the 64 Shades of Green. Well, uh, of course, we live in a, originally started in a 64 color bit lifetime. I mean, the computers and everything, 64 bits of color were, you know, what we started learning about. And now it's fortunately twice that. But uh, I uh, also in the night, the early not out, night observation devices everything comes in in a, a, a value of green or at least to me it looked green and i understand that was a 64-bit device so that kind of led me to 64 shades of green i love it i love that there's so much meaning woven in to different things for you and i think a glorious nightmare is a fantastic title based on the story as i read it because clearly well, it was not all pleasant. You were at war. Well, you know. In close lots, combat. Well, a lot of mosquito bites, a lot of dirt, <laughs> a lot of rocks. And yeah, every once in a while, you know, it, it got a little sort of hairy. I was extremely fortunate to get through it in the shape I did. And then parts of it were glorious. Well, they were. I mean, for me, it was, it was exciting. I mean, and, and I liked excitement. I'd always kind of been a second string guy in high school and stuff like that. And, you know, I wanted to get out in front and do something meaningful. And, and for me, that filled the bill. It was, it was pretty kick-ass, quite frankly. <laughs> oh, your candor. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can we also find you on Facebook and Instagram? I am on Facebook. I haven't done anything in Instagram and because my editor didn't even mention it, but I can, I am on Instagram and I will probably try to put something on Instagram. 
Excellent. And is it all under Gamble Dick, or do we have your middle initial in there as well? That's an interesting question. I have no idea. I think there's no middle initial. At least Facebook, I'm just Gamble Dick. Okay. I don't even remember about Instagram. You know, you stick to what works best for you, and if um, if Facebook is what works best for you, then that's what you stick with. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm 74 years old and I've had that name my whole life and it wasn't always easy. As you can imagine, there was bullying and all that kind of thing, but I'm old enough now that my friends don't, uh, they don't even mention it. And uh, if you do mention it and think it's funny, then that's your problem, not mine. So. <laughs> All right. And any events you have coming up? I am going in October to the Special Operations Association reunion, which is just for special operators, guys that were involved in the black ops. Mostly Green Berets. There were some special duty Air Force people. We have SEALs, uh, things like that that ran the uh, top secret missions. But uh, a lot of guys have written books, and some of them are very good. We're going to have an author's table and, you know, I get to make a little presentation. But other than that, I have nothing planned. That's nice. So you're going to get to do a presentation as well. Yeah. I get the whole 10 minutes, you know. That's good. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, that'll be a lot of fun to be able to do that. Well, it will. Are you looking to do more events where you can kind of speak about how everything I mean, just everything you have being a veteran, being a special ops veteran, being an author. And I don't want to spoil anything, but there's things in the book relationship wise that you could talk about <laughs> so much fun you could have. So are you I looking to do some speaking? I don't mind speaking in public. I did it for years. So sure. If somebody needs to fill in, I can, I can be that guy. A fill in. You could be the keynote speaker. I've already been invited to a homicide seminar well, to be the speaker. <laughs> and I didn't kill that many guys, really. I mean, I don't know <laughs> homicide. I don't think it's a how-to seminar, Gamble. Oh, okay. You're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then one final question before we wrap up. This is something I ask everybody that comes on. For your book sales, are you donating any percentage of your profits to any nonprofits? I have nothing formalized, um, but I, you know, and the profits for something like this are slim. It's, you know, nobody does this to make money. You do it to get it off your chest. But uh, anything that I have that's, um, I got out of Wounded Warrior a while ago because I thought they were advertising too much and spending too much money on advertising. But I've got a niece who's an occupational therapist and she works with wounded warriors. And I know that they're doing a tremendous amount of good. So I would send whatever I make to wounded warrior. That is incredible. And yes, wounded warriors, they, they took a little flack for their commercialism and I think they've pulled back a little bit. Oh, I don't see it as much as I used to. And so, yeah, and, and they do. They try to do a lot for the veterans. Um, running a nonprofit is hard. I may be speaking from a little bit of experience. Um, so I, I, try to, I try to just watch and let my heart lead with stuff like that. And 
I think it's fantastic that that is one organization that you're considering helping out with proceeds well, from your book. That's my intention. And, uh, you know, as I said, we're not talking vast sums of money, but I'm hoping that here and there I can send them $100 now and then. I, I'm sure they'd take it. I bet they would. <laughs> Are there any, any last words you would like to plug in there, Gamble? I would just like to, anybody who's interesting, interesting, everybody's interesting. <laughs> Listening, I'm sorry, I had an ice cube in my mouth. <laughs> uh, I would just like to say that for me, it was an honor to serve. And I, you know, I appreciated the opportunity and I would serve again in a heartbeat. And uh, the people of this country are worth fighting for. And a lot of us felt that way. And that's why we did what we did. Amen to that. Well, Gamble, I am so glad that you came on to talk with me today and to share about your book and to talk about your experiences. And I know people are going to enjoy hearing what you have to say. Hopefully they'll pick up a copy of your book to read all about your experiences in your first tour of Vietnam. And I have to say, if for no other reason, get a copy of the book to learn about the little blind date girl. And that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> you, you have to just for that. So Gamble, right. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's very delayed. I know I'm not a veteran, but welcome home, sir. I appreciate it. I And from you, I, I certainly sense the sincerity and it's gratifying. Thank you. Thank you. And we will be continuing to watch and see what you do. And good luck on your book sales. Thanks.